BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. episode of Hashtag No Filter. This is actually going to be the last episode of the year. I had two others going live over the next couple weeks, but I'm postponing those and those are going to go live in the new year. So this is going to be the last episode of the year. And I wanted to thank you so, so, so much from the bottom of my heart for being so supportive since I started this podcast back up. I absolutely love doing it and I hope you enjoy it just as much. And I just really appreciate the support, whether you've listened to one episode, all of the episodes, whether you subscribe or just follow on social media or whatever you do, I appreciate it. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And I hope the end of the year for all of you is exactly as you want it to be. And I hope the start of 2023, I was about to say 2022, wow, of the start of 2023 is great. And I wish you all the best and just happy, happy holidays. And thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. So today's episode, the last episode of 2022, is with none other than Carrie Colbert. She's a dear friend of mine. She's been on the podcast before. And she this episode, I absolutely love. I know I say I love every episode. I know, I know, I know, I know. But this conversation was so great. If you look at the time, it's longer than my you know usual episodes because we couldn't stop talking. And there was so much I wanted to talk to her about and ask her about. She's a brilliant businesswoman. She has such a great story. She's just an incredible person and has a really, really great outlook on life. She's been through a lot, and I just appreciate her so much for coming back on and sharing a lot with you, and I think you're really going to enjoy this. So without further ado, let's get into the last episode of 2022 on Hashtag No Filter with Carrie Colbert. Welcome back to the podcast, Carrie. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me, Julie. Of course. So I will link to our previous episode, but it was so long ago. I actually don't even know when it, the exact date that it was, but it was when I was living in Houston. And you and I are like in such different places now than we were then work-wise, you know, professionally, personally, everything. And it's just so funny. I was like, geographically, looking, like, everything has changed. Like, we've been through a lot together. Like it's crazy. Like crazy. insane, actually. Insane. I was just telling you as we were catching up, I mean, photos pop up on my phone all the time oh five years ago you with my daughter um, at Christmas time giving her a Hanukkah gift you know like all sorts of fun memories we've it's, been through it's crazy um, it's really thick crazy. and thin for sure thick and thin so very excited to have you back so I will link to the other oh, episode but even though you did kind of give a little bit of your background in that other episode just in a nutshell can you like just who you are a brief background I have a ton of questions for you but who you are what you do and then I will get into everything else great sure Carrie Colbert uh, from Houston. I am the founder and general partner of 
Curate Capital. We're a venture capital fund that invests in female founded businesses. We invest in uh, consumer brands by women for women. And I've been doing that for a few years, which we can talk more about, but I'm also um, the mom to two young kids. My daughter, Elle is five and my son, Luke will be two on New Year's Eve. Crazy that he's almost crazy that they're both five and two. I, I can't, I don't know when that happened. It's five crazy one. that I'm a mom and that I have kids, I, right? Like you and I knew each other and worked together like in my pre-kid life and I never expected to have kids. So the whole thing's a, a bit crazy. A big, it's all crazy, <laughs> but it's all very good. So, okay. There's a lot I want to talk about, but first okay. career wise. So you went from working in oil and gas a while mm -hmm. ago in a very, very male dominated industry. Then you transitioned to full-time influencer blogger. Then you transitioned to, of course, Curate Capital, which invests in female founded businesses. So it's a broad question, but can you kind of walk us through like first what it was like being in that male dominated world, then like what inspired you to go full-time and then kind of what inspired Curate Capital? Sure. Yeah. It's been a weird, um, circuitous path, if you will. It's not a straight line for sure. It's been a, a windy one, but I'm certainly in my sweet spot professionally now. So I'll back way the hell up and say, you know, I grew up, um, kind of always doing things in a, a male oriented world. So like I played golf competitively growing up and I was in a small town. So it was mainly men who played golf at that golf course. I worked at the golf course and then I studied petroleum engineering in undergrad. And I think I was maybe one of only a couple of women in my class and, and then went to work in the oil and gas industry. And so it all may seem very strange and random, um, but I'm a big believer that like you can take something from everything. You can learn something from everything. And, and the fact of the matter is that my early career decisions were just dictated by practical, pragmatic reasons, right? Like I was the first in my family to go to college. So my thought process was, okay, what can I study where I can get good scholarships and get a good job, right? And so then I got a good job and whatever that means. And you know, moved to Houston and now I've lived in Houston for over 20 years. And, um, you know, really, I was never necessarily passionate about the oil and gas industry, although I had a very successful, you know, almost 20 year career. But even though I wasn't passionate about the industry or even some of my roles within the industry, there was so much to be learned. And so I was fortunate that the majority of my career was spent at a privately held company that was run in an entrepreneurial manner. And so that's where I really caught the entrepreneurial bug and learned so many great lessons from the founder founder and leadership there. So while I was there, I also got my MBA. Um, and, and like I said, learned so much, um, even though it's an industry that didn't necessarily resonate with me and was, um, you know, somewhat still kind of old school, mm -hmm. the founder ran it in such a progressive way in that he gave everyone equity to some extent. Um, we had the option to purchase additional equity with our own money. And he really was a master of aligning incentives within an organization. And by that, I mean, um, setting things up so that everyone's working towards the same goal. Mm -hmm. And so we had this cheesy um, phrase um, for one of our core values. And, and that was that when Hillcorp wins, we all win. Mm -hmm. And as cheesy as it sounds, it was really, really true. And so by, by you know, having an open uh, book management style of, of leadership, by sharing everything with everyone, people can really understand like, hey, this is how my actions impact the bottom line. And then that bottom line, when it's good, that impacts me personally. And so it was a really um, great place to kind of learn some of those concepts. And ultimately, having ownership was life-changing for me. And so that allowed me to, um, quote unquote, you know, re retire early right. from, you know, a career that had served me well. Um, and at the same time, though, I was ready to step away and figure out something that resonated with me more personally. 
Now, I didn't really know what I was going to do next. Mm -hmm. And the fact of the matter is a lot of opportunities presented themselves. Um, on the outside, I kind of stumbled into being an influencer online. Mm -hmm. But behind the scenes, more was going on. Um, the the influencer Instagram thing is relevant because it actually led me to to start connecting with brands I like. And I ultimately started investing my own money into those sorts of brands. The first of which was a, a company called Packed Party out of Austin, which you know really well, um, and, and other smaller ones as well. But basically over a period of about five years behind the scenes, um, I was investing my own money into a female-founded business. Businesses and really three important things happened. One, I was having great fun. And I never would have said mm -hmm. I was having fun in my professional life before. Mm -hmm. I, I was grateful for it, enjoyed it, but fun probably wasn't a word. So right. I was having fun. I was having great results. I mean, the companies were growing. I was seeing the returns that, that one would want. But then probably more importantly, the third thing was that I was having, um, you know, great deal flow. And so what mm -hmm. that means is that so many companies were approaching me and I was seeing so many deals in the market that I realized the opportunity set to invest in these sorts of businesses was well beyond and bigger than what I could do on my own. So I somewhat naively said, you know what, we'll start a venture capital fund. Start a venture capital fund. It'll be fun, they said, right? No big deal. Um, yeah. So very naively um, decided to, to launch a VC fund. And, um, you know, I had worked in finance and I had, you know, been in business. So I had some inkling of what I was doing, but um, it was a steep learning curve. So if, if you think about venture capital investing, just to kind of break it down, one important part, and maybe the most important part is that I had the deal flow. Like I said, I was seeing these investment opportunities. I had that. The part of the business that I had no clue about was fundraising. So how to raise mm -hmm. money and then fund administration. Like, what do you do once you get all these investors and how do right. you, you know manage that? So both very serious, big topics that I had a lot to learn about. So all that to say, had the idea for Curate Capital in December 2019, mm -hmm. actually November 2019. That's when our, our mutual friend Justin did all the branding for right. us, came up with the name. Yeah. And then in December, um, our legal documents were drawn up. And really in early 2020, we were getting ready to really launch. And then the world changed. Mm -hmm. And as a first time fund manager, I couldn't, you know, in good faith go say, hey, give me money with so much uncertainty mm -hmm. in the world. So really that delayed us for about a year. So we really just launched in 2021. Set out with a goal to raise $10 million. We actually closed at $15 million. And um, so far, we've already invested in over a dozen businesses. Um, and um, believe it or not, we'll be launching our second fund in 2023. Probably That's a much bigger exciting. number. But yeah, and... And so, and there's lots more we can dive into yes. about, you know, the fundraising and kind of right. who we're, we are and what we're about, but it's just really cool to get to work with so many incredible women building outstanding businesses and get to be a, a big or, or even small part of that. It's amazing. Congratulations. Now I know how crazy busy you are and how amazing it's been, but it's hard. I mean, it's hard work. Like you work a lot. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully we're getting to a point where there'll be some economies of scale and, you know, starting to get some more support systems in place right. but you know truly starting a fund is like starting a business yes. um i mean it was everything was on me literally every decision every fundraising dollar had to go through me right. and there were a lot of sleepless nights and um you know i, I just told you the headline that oh we surpassed our goal right. by 50 percent right. it sounds like it was all easy and everything but i mean i can remember sitting on my closet floor crying going you know what have i got myself into like are we even going to be able to fulfill our commitments? Like I'd stepped wow. out and, you know, yeah, it's really, really yeah. scary, you know, and because you're you, dealing with that. Do you yeah. have a, I just cut you off. Sorry. Do you have a uh, no, team okay. now or how many people do you work with like within Curie so, Capital? So it's a weird, 
Yeah, yeah. It's a weird thing how venture fund economics work. Okay. So like, here's like a simple breakdown primer. Yeah. Um, so venture capital funds, traditionally, the way that it works, that you run them off management fees. So what that means is like, if I raise $15 million, management fees are typically about 2%. So that means 2% of 15 million is a, I'll just do the math. I, I feel like we're on trading secrets, like breaking down the numbers. Would, would we make your friend Jason proud? Okay. So 2% of $15 million is essentially rough numbers, 300 grand a year. So you're like, oh, well, that's great. That's well, that's what I have to pay myself and our family has to live on. And I have to pay most all of the bills for the fund. Um, and I have to, you know, the list goes on and on right. out of what comes out. Like, basically everything I have to pay, you know, the bills for everything we're doing for the business. Oh, and we have to support our little family right. off that 300 right. grade. So right. as you can see, it doesn't allow to really like build out a, a full team internally. Those things will come as we raise a second fund and a third fund and they funds get bigger. So that's kind of the way it works. I don't love the model. Um, it's unfortunate. I can see why people don't start venture capital funds um, from scratch because it's, it's very, um, it's very tough because is that a lot across of the board on, how it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, of course, like when they're on their you know twentieth fund and they're raising a right. billion dollar fund, that's when obviously two percent of a billion. I can't even do the math in my head right now, but <laughs> that's when you start. I mean, it's <laughs> incredible amounts of money. Right. That's when you see all the kind of over the top right. you know teams and all, and that's great. Um, you know, I don't know that I ever have aspirations for that big, but so then how you know, does we, the management fee work as you go on though? Like, so you raise this second fund and then is that management fee? You're like, cause you're still managing the money, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So that okay. 2% traditionally that'll like stay with that fund I for the, like, so I'll have that for like the next eight or 10 years, as long as that first fund goes on. I then if I raise another fund, that's a bigger fund, we'll then take 2% of that. And so then you start to get some breathing room, but it's, it. you know, throwing a pandemic and unexpected baby. And, you know, <laughs> I'm about three, three years into this and, you know, it's all been on me more okay, or less. Right, so, right. so uh, let me, I'll close that, that loop with one yeah. more comment. So what that's made me do is get really creative about, you know, adding additional resources. So it's, you know, obviously it's some contract people, but also when we were doing our fundraising, I looked for investors that maybe had expertise or skills that they could contribute, you know, since they're investors, they want to see our company succeed. Mm -hmm. So I look to align myself with other companies and people that brought things to the table. So like, for instance, there's a, an influencer agency here in town called Trend mm -hmm. and they and its investors invested quite a bit in, in Curate. And I like that because they obviously have the social media marketing expertise. Mm -hmm. They have the influencer marketing piece so they can support me uh, in those ways. And then there's another company called SoftTech that invested. And well, they obviously have the tech expertise. So if we're, yeah. you know, investing in companies that have have, you know, a big tech component, they can take a look at that and, you know, right. vet it and, and help them improve their back end and all that sort of stuff. So I've had to get creative with aligning myself with people that can be partners and contribute things right. without actually like hiring a team and building it out. That so that's sense. smart. That's a strategic way to do it. <laughs> I used to like work that. with Carrie when she was in her influencer blogger days, we would have late night photo shoots, all day work session. <laughs> Let's just be real. You basically ran my life and my business. I loved it kept me Those from, good yeah. times. I mean, crazy times oh, for both of us, but good times. Um, good. Okay. You had mentioned influencer agency. I wanted to ask, and then we'll go back to some curate capital things, but you mentioned influencer. So you were, I mean, I would still consider you an influencer on some level. Like you do influence. Well, thanks. <laughs> so yeah, the, the cool thing is that I'll say about that is I don't have the biggest following in the world. It's been flat and stagnant for years, but I've got an engaged, loyal, long time 
following. And what that has meant is not only has it helped me connect with brands that I want to invest in, but it's also was a big source of my investors that invested in us. And uh, backing up for a moment, like as I started fundraising in my naivety, I thought, well, I'll go to um, John or Joe or Bill or Bob for my oil and gas days. I'm sure they'll invest with me and we'll just raise $10 million really quick and easily. Well, reality check, that's not what happened. Mm-hmm. But what really happened was even, you know, really a better story to tell and a better reality. Because as I began talking about Curate Capital and about the companies we were investing in, women got it right away. Mm-hmm. So followers online would be like, oh, I know that company or, oh, I'm a customer of that or, wow, I've been looking for a solution to that problem problem mm-hmm. or whatever. And, and women want to support other women. And so, I mean, I literally had women who I had never met reach out of Instagram and say, yeah, I'm in, sign me wow. up for 200, 250,000. Like, where do I send my money? Like, where do, how do I do this? And yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a, so and, you don't, you're not blogging. I mean, I think I looked on your site the other day. You're not blogging necessarily. No, actually I've been mean to ask you, do you even know what my log is anymore if we, if we want to go that route I don't know my own law I do probably Sorry. have all okay. your stuff in my Evernote so maybe good, we'll good. start yeah. blogging again you know we'll, we'll, we'll yeah there's something to be done um, there for sure so, but. I, so you're not obviously like you know influencer whatever that word we you know we hate that term we love that term whatever but what would you say like noticing from when you were a true like full-time influencer to now you know you work with some influencers you know like what's the biggest difference I mean I know the industry changes every day but like what's the biggest difference totally well I think you know we're thinking back I don't know five seven eight years ago when you know I was doing it and when we were working together um I think those were in the early days of of influencer marketing mm-hmm. um and people were okay with brand awareness, right? They were just glad to have someone create pretty content for them. And I got to say, that's where I shined at the time. One, I, I, I I was good at still photos, not good at video. And I was good at (laughs) brand awareness, not conversion. Oh, your, your, the ideas you had were insane. Amazing. Well, I just like thinking of the concepts and the, you know, whatever, but, um, you know, I think things really changed where people see through those kind of just brand awareness, you know, paid partnerships, and it's more now about converting. And, mm-hmm, um, right. you know, I told you that I wasn't good or skilled at fundraising. And that's probably the same with influencer marketing. Like, I'm not a salesperson. Like, right. okay, if I post a picture with this dress on, and someone asked me for the dress link, sure, I'll send it to them. I might post yes. it for everyone. But I'm not gonna be you need to buy this, right. you need this, you need that. Like, that's just not my personality, right. nor is it my strong suit. Right. So I mean, Hey, you know, I did okay during those days, but now I'm really, really impressed with the women that invested with Curate, the influencers that that I I get to work with from that perspective, the amount of product these women can move, the the conversion rate they can generate is really so impactful, you know, and what's really cool about, you know, influencers investing into a VC fund like Curate Capital is they are able to create a long-term, you know, financial, um, mm. uh, you know, picture for, for themselves that doesn't require them to to stay on that treadmill of hawking products every day, right? right. Like that's great now, but it allows them to maybe diversify. And, and they understand that from the perspective that they've seen brands, you know, launch out of nowhere, really lean into influencer marketing, and then ultimately have that big exit, those big paydays. Right. And they're left wondering like, hey, how do I get a piece of that? And so this is one way to do that. And I think right. we're seeing that more and more. So on the influencer side, I think brands want to work with influencers that actually convert now, yep, you know, the days yep. of like, just sharing pretty pictures gonna... to spread brand awareness. Those are really, so they want to work with influencers that convert. But then I think influencers are realizing that 
yes, they've made a lot of money with, you know, affiliate marketing or their commissions or even their sponsor post fees. Mm -hmm. But now influencers are, are seeing, hey, there's possibilities here to have equity in companies. Like, how do I do that? Right. How do I do that? Right. It's so, so interesting. It really has. It's true. Brand exposure was everything. That was like, yeah. That, like on the contracts, that's what they wanted. But you were really good about because you, how you're saying you're like not a salesperson. You would even write blog articles or we would work on them together. What, where you were like, I'm actually telling you not to shop the Nordstrom anniversary sale unless no. there's something you need. Like you did not push product. Like you didn't push. Yeah. It wasn't you. That wasn't what you were doing. Yeah. So pretty well. Cool. I guess, and maybe that plays into what I'm doing now. I mean, I want people to use their money responsibly. And yes. I sometimes the, you know, internet and social media culture of today encourages a lot of like excessive spending in my yes. estimation. Now spend your money and support the brands I've invested in. Okay. Yes. Like I appreciate that. Obviously. Beyond that. Yeah. <laughs> but beyond, beyond that, <laughs> control your spending, save up so you can invest. In the, exactly. Yeah. So, so in terms of um, the brands in which you invest, what do you look for? Like what are the top brands you look for in a brand that you're going to invest in or a person yeah great question great question it because it's so much more has to align like i was just talking with someone over lunch like so many stars have to align to make an actual investment take place um you know that has to be the right timing the right mm -hmm. stage like maybe i can't be in a competing brand this is mm -hmm. like so many esoteric things like all have to work out for for a brand uh or for an investment to take place it's not right. as simple as hey i like you and i like your brand yeah. you know so i think that's something that people have to realize is that it's not you know just do i like you and you're Company, but hey, are you at the right stage where my check size can get me the right amount of equity I want all that so backing off of all those logistics I mean everyone says this but but it's true I mean it's founder first right like you want to invest in the person you want mm -hmm. to believe in them their capabilities and their vision for their mm -hmm. company but beyond that I, I think it's super important I mean we do a lot of due diligence and that mm -hmm. just means kind of peeking behind the curtain so to speak uh, you know a 30 minute you know pitch conversation is great a pitch deck all that but then it's a you know fiduciary responsibility I have to investigate like how their numbers, the accounting, you know, all the behind the scenes stuff, you know, where the rubber hits the road, so to speak, you know, look at at you know really how they're performing, not just kind of the the right. best foot forward that you can put in a you know quick meeting or in a presentation. So we do a really thorough due diligence process, you know, to kind of investigate the company, um, if you will, and and then. Um, for us now, so I talk about founder, you know, you got to do your due diligence mm -hmm. to make sure that it's going to be a good solid investment. But for us, we're really interested in consumer brands that will resonate with our investors and our influencers mm -hmm. and their following. So that's one really cool thing about Curate Capital. Um, and I wish I can claim this being like some magical, you know, you know, idea that I had. But as I mentioned earlier, it was kind of like when when my first idea didn't work out and that was going to my old colleagues from oil and gas and being like, give me money. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that really didn't pan out as much as I thought, but really it was women who showed up. And so now we've got this incredible investor base. That's over 80% women, over 30% of our capital came from influencers. Wow. Um, and we've just got this really engaged community that wants to support the brands we invest in. So not just our investors, but like anyone can be a part of our community right. by that, you know, just, you can follow us on social media or right. sign up for our email newsletter. And, you know, we've also often got discount codes for our brands. Yeah. We've got, you know, kind of uh, early um, um, access to some things. And, you know, I just think there's a, a big opportunity to, to think about this from a community standpoint. So we'll be doing things in the future, like conferences and events, yes. because it's not just about 
give me your money and let me invest it. It's getting to know the founders. It's getting to know the investors. It's getting to know our customers mm -hmm. and supporters and just so many things we can all learn and gain from one another. It's not a one-way street. It's a really symbiotic relationship. It's in, yeah, it, in it's this like ecosystem it's not, of women. For someone who, me, who is not savvy in the uh, hedge fund investing fund space at all, we, I, I feel like we used to make fun of me. Like you're like my smartest friend. Like <laughs> Carrie's just like brilliant. <laughs> That's very um, nice. But it's it's approachable. And I think we talked about this like a while ago on maybe the podcast, like your period capital feels approachable and you can tell there's heart and soul in it. It's not just for the dollars. It's not just for the quick little transaction. Like right. it's real, it's the real deal. It's very inspiring. Well, I think that became kind of a secondary mission of mine as I was fundraising. And that was educating people because, you know, it's this belief that knowledge is power. Mm -hmm. And with venture capital, it's kind of been like, just a select few have held the the knowledge for a long mm -hmm. time. So they've held the power for a long time. And quite frankly, it's, it's not that complicated, but we just don't talk about it openly. Right. Everyone uses these terms and jargon that make it feel very unapproachable. And so, you know, I'm on a mission to just share, like, what is venture capital? How does it work? Who can invest in venture capital? Okay. You say mm -hmm. only accredited investors can. Well, what does that mean? Right. Because you know, at that point, when people have the information and the knowledge, then they can make their own decisions. Mm -hmm. it, and it may not be for everyone. You know, right. there, there's certain risk factors, there's certain timelines, there's, you know, certain things that may not appeal to everyone. And that's totally okay. But I think people should at least be informed to make their right. own decisions. No, you should so, be a professor on the side because you have so much time. Uh, thank so you. Thank you. We will actually with social media be doing more educational components oh. in the new year um just because i think that's so important i mean it's it kind is. of boring um it can be kind of boring and dry content we'll try to make it fun no but, you make it you know, fun. i just want i want people to understand like how it works it doesn't have to be shrouded in secrecy and right. um you know obscurity we can just talk about it like normal right. friends and right people, no. like yeah approachable yeah. no i love that so one more question about kind of curate capital then i want to get into something else what would you say is like like a common thread among all your female entrepreneurs that you invest in? Like what's one common thread that you see? Yeah, I think they're all very gritty and persistent. Mm -hmm. You know, the the stat in the US still is that female founders get less than 2% of venture capital dollars in the US. Mm -hmm. So even though they start almost half of the businesses in the US, they get only about 2% of the VC dollars. Wow. And at the same time, they continue to outperform. There's study after studies that show that, you know, uh, founding teams, either all female or or mixed, but right. that teams that include women in leadership deliver higher returns than all male teams. So it really creates this incredible investment opportunity where they're underfunded, but yet they're overperforming. So just a little bit of capital and a little bit of expertise and guidance can go a long way. But back into your question, I think that's really the common denominator. Yeah. These women have had to fight really hard for every piece of, right. you know, every piece of capital they've gotten, every piece of progress they've had. So when they get investment dollars, they're much more disciplined and scrupulous with how they spend it. And it can really turn it into something big. Wow. That's amazing. It's amazing. Um, well, so you're obviously very busy, you know, very, very busy and you have two little ones. So I, I hate this question, but I'm going to ask anyway, how, how do you do it all? <laughs> like, you know, like, how does it, how do, I mean, obviously I know you have health and areas I'm sure, but how do you do it all? I mean, I remember <laughs> sitting with you at Starbucks in River Oaks and I think your water <laughs> broke with Elle that day, that morning. And we thought oh you my gosh. yourself or something. Julie, <laughs> I was just telling Elle this story. I was at dinner <gasps> with a friend. On, we were at Escalante's on Monday night, by the way. Oh. Um, yeah. And we were at dinner with a girlfriend and Elle was there and um, I had asked my friend about 
she has three kids and we yeah. were talking about how, when her kids were born. I said, well, what's the story of when I was born? Yeah. And so we were telling her about it. And she's like, what does that mean? Your water broke. And no. I'm like, I, was, I was with aunt Juju at Starbucks. <laughs> and yes, my kids called Julie Juju. Yes. That's how close to her. It's true. Um, so no, it's true. Like we went from uh, no kids to, you know, now here I am with two kids, well, which is weird. That you didn't even know if you'd have kids. No, no, I, for sure I, did not think that. And then two surprises in my forties. So in your, right, women, beware. Wait, I was born. How old were you when I was born? Forty. You were forty when she was born, right? So yes. guys, if you're thirty-six, don't. Get, I mean, I'm thirty-six, turning thirty-seven. Like, don't give up. Well, and let's. And that was the first one. So then another surprise happened, and I had Luke. Um, I was almost forty-four when he was born. I mean, yeah wild wow yeah so, and so I I was yeah. he- hesitate to say that because I know so many women struggle with fertility issues I know all I feel that, terrible I make, even saying I'm, it when I don't make it mean to make it sound trite or trivial but you know with some people the you know it happens yeah. I guess I'm a big believer that you know things happen when they're supposed to you know it to some extent I, oh, again oh, not for, to not to give that. platitudes but um no they're they're definitely the biggest blessings I never knew yeah. I needed um oh. you know I had a, a good life before. I mean, you know, some of my ups and downs and trials and all that, but um, I'll, I'll say that it was a pretty self-centered life. And I mean, I didn't really have anyone else to live for. I mean, right. and I, I'm not saying that, you know, childless people are all self-centered. I'm just saying that I was going through a time sure. when it was like, I had a lot of disposable income. I was spending on myself. I was going on trips. I was yeah. doing all those things. And that's fine. And, you know, you can be a very fulfilled person, you know, without children. I do not oh, yeah. want to mince words about that. I, I could have had a good life and I'm, and very fulfilling, mm-hmm. you know, you can give and do and, you know, right. do a lot of things that bring fulfillment outside of children. For me though, it's been an amazing thing because it actually, it makes me want to be a better person. Like I have oh. to, you know, address my own crap because I, I don't want to, you know, hinder them and their, put it on their them, development right. and all that. No, yeah. it's, it's true. Look, logistically definitely takes a lot of help behind the scenes, whether that's a supportive partner or a nanny right. or, you know, whatever. Right. It's, 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 a lot. it's a lot of work. Well, and I think, is there part of you that's almost happy that you didn't have kids until now? Because you got to do all the traveling and do 100%. And I, you know, I was very career oriented. Yep. I you know, did well financially. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, if I would have had kids in my twenties, I would not have been ready, whether right. financially, financially, emotionally, relationally, it. it would not have been a good fit. And still it's tough. Like, still I'm like, uh, I'm supposed to have all my crap together. Like I'm supposed right. to be the mature one, the grown up. like, how did this happen? <laughs> um, but definitely better now than, than, then. Right. by the way, I think on a recent podcast, you were saying, uh, you know, talking about being a, um, you know, an ancient mother, if you're to have kids, you're like, if I had kids and I was 40, I would be 58 when they, they graduate from high school. And I think I text you know, I was like, you bite your tongue. That is me. Like right. for my, my oldest one. I So Elle was born when I was 40. I'll be 58 when she graduates 58. high school. Luke, I'll be, well, well, that I don't even know, four years older. So 60 yeah, something. 60 62. something. But you know what? Yeah. It's great. It's awesome. It's, so they're either going to keep me young or put me in my grave. So <laughs> I mean, we're, yeah, we're not sure which we way. We get our graves colored it. often. I'm, I'm overdue, but thankfully, uh, oh, you know, Zoom has tomorrow. some filters. It's okay, disgusting yeah. over here. Um, okay, so you're, you know, obviously life's not perfect. It's n- never perfect. No. And you've, like you just said, you've had your ups and downs. We've experienced our ups and downs together. Some of the downs, we've both been very down. And now, like, of course, things still aren't perfect. But you have these two beautiful kids. You had, you know, a, a thriving business. And I know behind the scenes, it's nothing's ever perfect. But what would you say to someone who's kind of going through a bit of like a time that like you and I have both been in before where it's just like kind of not a great time? Yeah, I think the thing that helps me most is to remember that 
it'll pass, right? Like life, I think of life in seasons. And to be frank, I've been in a tough season for, you know, two, three, four, well, how many years do I want to count? But Mm. I mean, that's not to say there hasn't been joy and Mm -hmm. blessings in the midst of all that, but there are seasons of life and some are going to be seasons where you hunker down, you tighten, you know, things up, you know, it's, I don't know, like when, you know, you pull back or whatever, then there are going to be seasons where you're just out there and doing things, having fun, but it ebbs and flows. I mean, nothing stays the same Mm -hmm. and there's good within all of it. Um, Yeah. I mean, definitely, definitely feel that. I mean, I, I think I, I, in my naive younger years were waiting to arrive, you know, where things will be yeah. smooth or perfect. I don't think that ever it's, happens. It's never I think we just like, kind of embrace yeah. the the chaos and, um, you know, find the, the beauty within it all. And it sounds like it's, super cheesy, even as no, I'm saying it, but that's like how we survive. It's true. Right? And Megan, still enough, obviously, you know, very yeah. well. Megan was on the podcast recently and she said something like, because I said, you know, now you're in this amazing relationship, but, 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 and she's like, it's really just trading one set of problems for another, right? Like you, you don't necessarily have maybe those problems. It's just, it, life's never going to be perfect. No one ever is going to just, it's never going to be perfect. Or if it is quote perfect, it's like a few days. <laughs> That's something. Right. Happens. And I think you and I've talked about this in the past. Um, I don't think on the podcast, but I mean, it's it, the grass is not always greener, right? Like mm-hmm. we jokingly say, you know, oh gosh, you don't have any kids. Like, and I had Luke keep right. beaming up all night, but then I, I, I like, there's and, pluses and minuses right. to everything in life. And right. you just have to get out of that comparison game because yeah. like your life is yours. You're in full control to make it what you want to be. Yep. And it just, it's yours. I mean, it doesn't do any good to compare to other people because their background, their circumstances, oh, like, it's yeah. all different. You it, just cannot compare. You cannot all you can compare. do is the best you can do. <laughs> motivational speaker um wait so now before we wrap up I have my little rapid fire round but I feel like that was such oh a great gosh you always scare me I know I think they're pretty easy questions today let's see though maybe not um okay first one if you could have a pause button I asked some of these I've asked before if you could have a pause button a rewind button or a fast forward button on life and you had to pick one which would it be oh can you see I'm not good at rapid fire because I overthink things. I know I, I want to fast forward certain aspects rewind right. certain yeah can we like pick and choose aspects of yeah, it do you want all three yeah yeah, yeah. okay yeah, I, want can, them, I want it all you want obviously. it all, you want it yeah. all. I can appreciate yeah. that um forgiveness or permission what do you mean like you know how they say like is it better to ask for forgiveness or permission like if you're going to do something that you don't permission you permission. yeah you're a rule follower yeah, I just don't like wronging people and yeah. then you yeah, gotta dig yourself. Good. It's you're a good yeah. person. Let's um, just be upfront about it. Like if there's yeah. just yeah. talk about it. Just just yeah. throw it out there. Um yeah. guilty pleasure. I am so lame these days. Do you not like, like know like crazy TV or like like spa days? For or, sure. You know, I you know I love the bachelor, I love a good <laughs> massage. I'm trying to think the things I do for myself. They're few and far between, but yeah, a good massage, um, little bachelor I don't do a lot of other reality TV yeah I am so like like I'm so time constrained right now that it's all about efficiency yeah. right yeah. like yeah. once the kids are in bed I just want to go to sleep because I'm gonna have to get up the next morning early yeah. and do it all again like yeah. there's just not a lot no of time for guilty pleasures right <laughs> but again like there will be seasons where there are yeah. right now is a season with very little margin between yeah. business and young kids all that but other seasons will look different so yeah so I, true I love yeah. that um what was your, I love this question. What was your last Google search? Oh Lord. I don't know. <laughs> you want to get accurate. Let me just, just probably hold, something boring and I know I was going to say, it's going to be something about like investing or something. I don't even know. How do you, how does one look I think up you go to your history. Google. Like, it, okay. 
I don't know. Unless you haven't been on Google here. recently. Possible. I have, I have. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is like not rapid fire. No, um, it's okay. Google. Yeah, I'll cut in between. Just a random name of someone that reached out. Oh, nothing exciting. Nothing trying to figure exciting. out. Like when someone name drops an email, like that we should oh. know each other. I'm like, I don't even recognize your name. And Got I'm like, it. Google. Yeah, but you Google, Google the name. name. Okay. A little stalking. Yeah, I like it. Lame. What, what was your last impulse purchase? Again, I'm in the season of being super disciplined. Like, you know, I, I went from, you know, full-time long career making good, right. you know, great money, bonuses, yeah. all the incentives, all the things to now I've been like in startup life for about right. three years. There's not a lot of impulse purchases. Oh, I guess I can. Yeah. Um, I decided I needed to get away and I booked a trip for our family, like on Saturday night of the week of Thanksgiving, we booked it Saturday night and we left Monday morning. So that was like the most spontaneous, you know, impulsive thing I've With done in a while. Kids, like that's amazing. I love that you did that. I'm like, get me the hell out of here. I need a break. <laughs> yeah. But you know what was great about that? If you know me at all, that you know that if I were to pack my kid, like if I was to plan in advance and, and plan a vacation, I'd be like, oh, the kids need matching swimsuits yeah. and we need like matching outfits to get family picture on the beach. But if you don't give yourself much time, you don't have time to buy a bunch of crap you don't need. So we just gathered up whatever they had in their closet. Like, come on kids, we're going on a trip tomorrow morning. It all I worked mean, out great. I kind of love it. It looked amazing. Um, yeah. Your biggest pet peeve or annoyance? <laughs> I have a lot. I, I'm not big on making small talk. Like I don't like socializing Same. too much. I mean, I love a good deep one-on-one -on -one relationship, but mm -hmm. I get tired of like going to events where you have to make mm -hmm. small talk all the time. And the last two days have been a lot of that. It's like too much peopling and socializing for me. Yep. Like I'm ready you, to just like hibernate and yep. knock out some work on my computer after this. Oh yeah. We're very <laughs> similar with that. <laughs> very. Yeah. Um, yeah. What two more of these, what's something many people take seriously, but you don't think they should like things you either see on like social media, people getting riled up about that. You just like, don't sweat it. There's so much stuff that people get worked up about that just doesn't matter, you mm -hmm. know, and maybe that's now I'm becoming like the old woman here, you know, no. at the ancient age of 45, but like a lot of shit just doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about it. Like the comparison, the, you know, whether it's shopping the gossiping like all right. this stuff, it's not gonna matter like mm -hmm. if it, think about anything that's stressing out today and think like five mm -hmm. years down the road will you still care about this in mm -hmm. 99% of the time the answer is probably no right um, and I, I can get in my own head too much like oh my gosh if I make the wrong decision for this and especially with kids like I tend to overthink things oh, like sure well like buying a house or finding a place to live like oh well this is where they're gonna spend a good chunk of their childhood will this be good like it's not gonna matter. Like it's at gonna the end be of the day, they want love, <laughs> comfort, security. You know, a sense of you know hominess, warmth. Like it's not a lot. They, right. It's the the love and the feelings of it all. Not exactly like what the house is like or what neighborhood. Right. Like, so it's true. yeah, I think we all just kind of like get our oh. own ways and overthink things that don't need to be. Over it's like my middle name. Done. Like I just <laughs> I know it is. like I don't even know where to begin. Um. Okay. Finally, what is something? Actually, I have two more. Sorry. I had so many and I know we're, we're like out of time, but what's the first thing you notice about a person when you meet them? Hmm. Good question. I mean, I think it's just the general demeanor and the, the attitude. And I like people that are real and relatable and, you know, just, I, I don't like people that are overly polished or mm -hmm. perfect. It makes me kind of wonder what's going on behind the scenes, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> If you tell me that everything's perfect, I probably know that something's not. You and know? I probably like, hate you. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. kidding. But so. yeah, that's, I, I like someone who, like approachable, like just like yeah. an approachable person. Okay. And finally, 
what is something you wish you could tell your younger self or as having a little girl, what would like one of the biggest things you want to make sure she knows for Ooh, her own yeah. growing up? I think for me, I um, fell into the trap of like perfectionism, right? Mm -hmm. And that was my way um, without getting too deep of kind of um, proving that, you know, crap that happened in my childhood. It didn't affect me. No, I'm mm -hmm. fine. Look, I graduated at the top of my class, mm -hmm. a 4.0 GPA at the you know College of Engineering at UT. And mm -hmm. then I got the best paying job offer out of my grad, you know, and I did, you know, da, da, da. And then I, you know, married the perfect person and da, 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 because it was all me kind of running from my own mm -hmm. internal issues by just performing. And don't get me wrong. Some of that performance has served me well, you know, professionally, mm -hmm. career-wise, like it's good to be, you know, good to be productive and smart oh, yeah. and intelligent and achieving and all those things to an extent. And so I, I'm trying to be cognizant with L, like, you know, not to, you know, praise performance, but to, to praise the effort that gets to the result, right? You're like, such a good mom. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just learning. I'm figuring all this out. She just started kindergarten. So it's not like I'm some, you know, way down the path, but you, you start to see um, yourself and your children. Yeah. Um, and so it's really like eye-opening to see, oh, like maybe it wasn't, you know, right that I was made to feel this pressure or that pressure, or maybe it wasn't right that I was treated that way or this way. And mm -hmm. you just want to do better and do different. I think mm -hmm. that's all we can do is, you know, do better and, um, you know, than the previous generation that's, and right. leave our, you know, next generation better Hopefully off than a little we better. were. And, <laughs> Yeah. Right. Not needing as much therapy as we need. Right, you know? right. Stephanie. No. Um, yeah. no, this, oh my God. Okay. Before we fully wrap, where everyone can find you, you have two different Instagram accounts, two different websites, depending. Sure, sure. Want. Yeah. Um, so my personal Instagram, which is at Carrie C. My one small claim to fame is that I was on Instagram the week it launched. Um, yeah, I'd actually just gone through a, a big breakup and I'd gotten off like Facebook and Twitter and all that. And then this new um platform popped up and I like photos. I like pretty mm -hmm. photos. I'm like, Oh, cool. A photo sharing uh, app. And I was on it the first week. So it's just at Carrie C C A R R I E C. Um, but then we also have the curate capital account, which we're trying to build and grow and put out some good, helpful content. And that is at curate.capital, mm -hmm. which is also our website, curate.capital, yeah. no.com or anything like no. that. Just curate. Do you want people to go to carriecolbert.com? <laughs> Check they out your can. blog. It, it hasn't been updated in a couple of years, but there is some good info that's still there, <laughs> uh, much of which Julie wrote. Um, but yeah, maybe we can get on that, like, you know, yeah, updating it. We're going to bring years. it back. Oh, I yeah. love this conversation so much. Thank you so much for coming Me too. on. Thanks, friend. You're the best. I'm so glad you're podcasting again. You are really good at it. And I enjoy listening to all the episodes. So thanks for having me you're again. so sweet. And there you have it. Hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as we enjoyed recording it. Be sure to follow Carrie. Be sure to check out Curate Capital. You will not be disappointed. The content she puts out is beautiful and it's informative, educational, and she's just doing so many great things. And it's really, really cool to, to watch it all unfold. So definitely follow her. As always, you can follow me everywhere at by Julie Lauren. Thank you so much again for being the most supportive. It means more to me than you will ever know. Happy, happy holidays. Happy New Year. I will see you in 2023. And I'll talk to you very soon. Bye-bye. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. 
It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.